Hi. Hello. Hello. How you doing? So good. Welcome back to the Wine About Birth podcast. We are three birth professionals. And best friends. And we're here to talk about what it's really like to live in the world of birth. It's not all glitter and rainbows. Or as we like to say, it's a lot more shit than giggles. I'm Kim Haynes, midwife at a busy birth center and home birth practice. I'm Meredith Rout, also a midwife at the same home birth practice. And I'm Jess McKee. I'm a doula for clients in and out of the hospital and also a birth assistant with you guys at our out-of-hospital practice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kim, what were you saying about last week's episode? Oh, I haven't listened to the whole thing yet. I turned it off because... She couldn't handle it. I couldn't handle 20 minutes of Jess and Meredith talking at the same time. It was like Jess's voice was loud, but then Meredith was just a mumble, just a mumble underneath. So it was both happening at the same time. Like there was some sort of like static on a radio station. And I was like, I can't even understand what's going on right now. (laughs) The best part about that is that whole episode happened because Jess needed to bitch about work and so, so i was like go. that's fine i'm just gonna sit back and let her talk and then that's what happens <laughs> but the weird thing is is that i think you're a little bit more sensitive to it because of course i am i didn't hear it at all when i was when i was editing you are I definitely think, our biggest critic i think like you pointed out we're like sisters so it's like siblings like you just tune us out like we yeah. do our children <laughs> so you heard yourself and what you were saying you did not hear the underlying mumble did you just call me egotistical I called egotistical you a, i called you a testicle <laughs> no i called you my sister you ass you only <laughs> way to take something yeah, nice she, sl- no, no, she no. slid that one in real good and way you to, just let that one go way to take something nice and turn you it just, into something testicle you just said like I, you only heard what you were saying like, because you tune us out. Oh no, I listen to you guys more than I listen to myself. Hmm. I, I was mean, actually talking to Alice yesterday, and I was like, "Yeah, we're we're like the lucky sisters. We're the ones who like never fight, and we like always get <laughs> along, and it's just like really weird." And I was like, "And then I have Kim and Jess, who are like my real life sisters, where we text about each other behind each other's backs, and we steal each other's clothes, and we're kind of assholes to each other sometimes, but it's like coming from such a place of love and understanding of each other." Speaking <laughs> of clothes, you still have a bathing suit bottom that I, I once gave you, and yes. a black long sleeve shirt. I'm wearing it right now. <laughs> <laughs> this morning I was like, this would be a great day to wear my black long sleeve shirt and my flannel zip up. I'll look like a real country person, yeah. but I can't because you have it. I can't take it off to give you either. So sorry, not sorry. Meredith, so it's so funny talking about that because Kim keeps track. Kim knows if anybody's clothes are in the house that are not one of her kids or hers and she keeps little piles like around the house of like this is for when this person comes the back. The Mickey pile. Yeah. And so like me and Meredith are not like no. that. And so if we borrow clothes. I think clothes, I still have Brock's shirt that I told you about like three months yeah, ago. But if we borrow clothes. So like remember when I let you have that skirt and every time you'd come wearing it you'd be like oh I'm sorry I'm wearing your skirt. And I'm like I think I totally just gave that to you. I think you had no choice <laughs> but to give it to me. No I was totally fine with it. But then you came to Kim when we were babysitting your kids while you were in Florida, Kim. She comes over and I'm wearing a sweater. And she goes, where did you get that sweater? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> Was it yours? It's like my favorite sweater. It's like my grandpa's sweater that I've had since high school. And I was like, I might have given that to her. But I also like would be really surprised if I did that. And so I was like, you totally have it back. And she's like, no, no. If I gave it to you, I want you to have it. I'm like, you probably just left it at my house. And I have no clue what's mine and what's exactly. not. Exactly. 
Oh my god. Well, I <laughs> I still am, have it though. I know so. you do. So. It's all right as long as it's being cared for. I'm fine with I'm that. I'm giving it back. I'm about to do another closet clean out, so you guys will get some stuff. Yay! Sweet. And I your mom's it. coming to town too. Mm-mm-mm-mm. I think so. I have a new best friend, guys. Yeah. I thought Caroline. we said we had enough. That's a shame. Oh, we love Caroline. Yeah, mm-hmm. Caroline is, br- is we your can tolerate that. Is your brother's girlfriend? Yeah. We already told you that we're okay with you having other friends. I've gotten over that part of my life where mm-hmm. I'm jealous of you talking to other people. Okay, because mm-hmm. she can sing really well. That's the only thing I am a little jealous and about. That's what. That's why she's your best friend. And she had <laughs> a, such <laughs> a good sense of humor, and she's so awesome. And she brought this chocolate. Oh, yeah. Can I have another piece? And then I was worried. I was like, oh, man, this person's coming to stay with us for like a month or two or how, however Technically, long. Technically, you kicked them in your camper. So it's not that close. No, but we do share common areas. And I was like, what if what if I don't like her? But it turns out I do. And then she admitted to having the same worry. Like she met a few people from the Shenval and mm-hmm. she was like, oh, my God. We won't name names. Is this who is? Are they all like this? Like, mm-hmm. Is Brian's family racist and misogynistic and all of these things? She said she was freaking out by the time she got to her house. And then she was like, oh, thank God. Yeah. I mean, you did tell her she was going to be living in a trailer. So she can only imagine so much. It's a really fancy trailer. The nicest trailer I've ever seen in my life. It's nicer than my house. It's It's so much nicer than my house. (laughs) Yeah. It's my escape plan. Yeah. Escape. You guys would have been so proud of me. I went and bought new clothes the other day. And I also yeah, went. look amazing on you. I went through all of my drawers and wow. all of my clothes. And I got rid of like two trash bags full of stuff that I no longer wear. Good job. And I would offer it to you guys. But when I finally get rid of clothes, it is clothes that nobody else is going to want to wear. I so believe they, you. Mm-hmm. It's not something. Also, I'm not going to fit in anything. You're not going to be interested. In I also <laughs> will not fit in any of your clothes. So, yeah, it's going straight to the thrift store. (laughs) Because they want it. (laughs) This is what I figure. If there's anything even remotely good, they'll try and sell it. If there's not, they'll just do whatever they do to get rid of it. You know, it'd be so funny because I'm getting ready to do all the thrift shops if I showed up in one of your things. (laughs) I'll be like, is that my sweater? I guess you would have wanted that. (laughs) I do not think that's going to happen. I don't think that's true. (laughs) I hold on to stuff. My boobs would never fit into your shirts. (laughs) I I mean, I could squeeze them in, but it would be something. Oh, oh, you know what I found? So excited. Remember when we first became doulas together and we got the bottoms? We got those t shirts. Don't say the t shirt. (gasps) I found the t shirt when I was going through everything. The Birth Matters shirt? Yes. So we had t-shirts made for our little doula company and it said birth matters. You deserve a doula. And we had made our own little logo that was like, are you going to keep them and frame them? I I mean, I still, I kept the t-shirt. I couldn't throw that away, but it's like, it was this weird logo we made that I don't even know how it made sense, but (laughs) is it a vagina, an artistic vagina? No, it was like weird triangular shaped people. And one of them had a belly and one was standing behind the other one. That's a weird image. I know. I'll have to take a picture of it. We can post it on social media. So today we are finally, finally getting to an episode that we've been talking about doing for what, like two months? No, I would say closer to maybe five. (laughs) Probably our whole lives. Yeah. I don't know why, but every time we sit down to record, we're like... We could talk about that thing we talked about talking about, and we're like, eh, let's or do this talk instead. about this less serious thing that's more fun. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, what we're talking about today is hemorrhage. Oh, she's down and she's done. Do you know it's weird? Never say that after I say hemorrhage. Sorry. <laughs> that worked out perfectly. <laughs> um, 
it's weird because hemorrhage used to be like oh oh my gosh but i mean i don't know after the last several years and all the hemorrhages and all the whatever that we've been having it's just like meh I think I've come to respect that women can lose a lot more blood than we think they can. Yeah. (laughs) But I think that there's like, there's so much fear instilled in the thought of postpartum hemorrhage because I think that like movies and stuff, you, you basically see like in old movies where it's like, oh, she bled too much and she's, and she's dead now. And then she died. Or you hear like stories before they had like more advanced, like medical technology. Yeah. And it's just like, it makes it seem like there's just nothing you can do. And... Yeah. In the birth scene in, um, I think it was Bridgerton. Did you guys watch that Bridgerton? What was yes. it called? I don't remember the birth scene. I was busy like thinking about all the sex scenes. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I watched this but too. <laughs> when the mother died, it was like she just started bleeding out and everyone was totally calm. But the doctor goes, I'm sorry, there's just too much blood. And then she died. Yeah. Like, there it's was, like you literally they didn't did do nothing. anything. They just like sat there and watched they it. They just happen. watched the blood spread out on the table. And I was like, well, that's unfortunate. I feel yeah. like for me, that's the thing with hemorrhage is like there's so much you can do, but you will like like, God forbid, you will get a hemorrhage where you do everything you can. And it just like doesn't seem to help. Yeah. But then even then, like even if you end up doing like fundal pressure right like or something like where you have to like hold their uterus closed yeah. like i feel like even then you've done transfers like, like that before yeah and they're yeah. done by the time you get to the hospital right so it's just like by manual thank you i was like really struggling to think of the word <laughs> by so. manual compression by Ex- manual compression. Well, external by manual compression we do a lot yeah so i don't know it's like even in those scariest moments there's so much you can do and like rarely does it not stop from something that you do because you have so many options. Yeah. And so today we're going to talk about some of the options we have and some of the ways that we handle um, that stage of the birth and some of the ways it unfold. Yeah. And some of the ways other providers might handle it. And then also just talking, I wanted to talk a little bit about the physiology of the third stage. And Oh, let's talk all about that. And yeah. Our least favorite stage. And the two main causes of hemorrhage and how we can avoid those. Well, also, like, what is a hemorrhage? What is it, too much? Yeah, why don't we start with that? What is, what is a hemorrhage? Uh, the definition of a hemorrhage is losing uh, more than 500 cc's of blood from the uterus. Or mills. Milliliters, milliliters. however you want to look at it. It's essentially the same thing. I stopped doing CCs because I was looking too much like zeros and was confusing people in charting when we used to hand paper, like paper chart. Yeah. We, and we just say 500. How much? 500. Yeah. <laughs> oh, which I mean, like 500 is a lot. Right. But at the same time, like we were saying earlier, like we've had moms lose so much more than that and be completely stable. So it's not so much about the number as it is about mom stability after losing a certain amount of blood. But there's also the question of like, because it sounds really scary if you say like, oh, you had a hemorrhage. But I, I do know like when they do cesareans, they the expected amount of blood loss is more than that. Mm-hmm. And that's just normal. Yeah. So it's just like talking about definitions again can make sound something sound super scary when it's like people can lose more blood than that and be right totally so fine. We should maybe then talk about like if the if a hemorrhage definition is 500 milliliters or cc's of blood what would be considered normal like what is our normal for out of hospital i would say my normal is anywhere from 250 to 500 mm-hmm. like if that's the total that's like 
just completely normal yeah yeah Yeah. and it's less like i I feel like it's less about the amount and more like what symptoms are we seeing right so like for us like we need to see our moms up to ambulate without complication they need to be able to like pee without complication they shouldn't be passing like massive clots like that kind of thing they should have a trickle so it's also just about like what symptoms people have going on and then we have to remember that the person's weight plays a huge role in this so 500 for one mom might be enough to knock her out for a little bit just you know like she can't get up she can't walk but if you have a heavier mom honestly losing seven to eight hundred is not a big deal Mm -hmm. you know it depends on how much blood you have if you're carrying around an extra liter of blood then losing Mm -hmm. a few extra hundred cc's is not going to cause any symptoms at all and also it's not like that kind of dry either like i've had smaller moms be able to lose a significantly more amount of blood than 500 have been totally fine so i do feel like there's other factors involved as well yes. like i think i need like people's like hemoglobin hematocrit levels have a lot to do with it as well so and if they're hydrating so so i want to talk a, lot of factors. a little bit about the physiology of third stage and i know that we did talk about in the episode all about the placentas um the different ways that providers handle third stage um, whether it be like physiological birth of the placenta versus managed um, birth of the placenta. So I don't want to like get into that all that much, but I don't know how you guys feel, but there is a doctor out there called who's named Michael Odent and he does a lot of work. Michel Odent. Is that, did I say it wrong? <laughs> He's he, French, right? Yeah. I think it's Michel Odent. Okay. It is. Thank you for correcting With the Yes. And he's... I, Sorry, that might be considered racist, but also, like, I saw him speaking, and it was yeah. very hard to hear, hit, like, understand what he was saying, because the accent is so strong, and it's really joyful to listen to him say, the <laughs> So it was not meant in a disrespectful way. It's, like, unfortunately... I think that, that was culturist. Culturist, ling- yes. Linguist, not racist. <laughs> well, An ist, one of the ists. Well, I just love his work so much, and... It's amazing. He really puts a lot of emphasis on undisturbed third stage of labor um, because I know we talk a lot and try to respect a lot like the the hormones of labor and how they work and how um, I think we tend to respect it more when it comes to like the birth like when we say oh if you get to the birth center too early or if we come to your house too early your labor is more likely to stall because it's like that whole watched pot thing and interrupting the flow of like oxytocin and so we recognize that when it comes to birth but I feel like even us as like out of hospital providers we're much less likely to respect that um, when it comes to the third stage I would say that I have colleagues who think I respect that stage a little too much I might be one of those (laughs) colleagues But, but yes I do feel like in general it does tend to be a bit more managed but in your defense like you've been licensed a lot fewer years than I have. And I went through that whole process too, where it was like, I'm going to respect this stage. And then it got to the point where it was like two hours. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, yeah. And then I would slowly started creeping it back to where, so I think all midwives go through that. It's like, you're taught to get it out and then you want to respect it. But then you realize there is some sort of a fine line and then you yeah. come back. You yeah. know what I mean? And I feel like, I don't, I don't think that that's what I'm talking about. I feel like it's more just like, so in, in, you said it's Michelle Michelle Odent. I think it's Michelle Odont. 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 Okay, I'm just not going to get it right. We 
corrected you. Usually it's you correcting me because I say this everything wrong. Do I correct you a lot? Yeah, well, because it's my fault. I say a lot of <laughs> words wrong. Do you? Yeah. Oh, I don't ever recall doing this If I went this through this time. podcast and like... Did a drinking game? If I time. went through every episode, I could probably put through a clip of you going, actually, 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 actually. Really? <laughs> it doesn't happen as often as she thinks it I does. I don't realize I do this. Well, it's not just you. It's actually, most I don't do that. <laughs> actually. <laughs> <laughs> so why don't, yeah, why don't we talk about normal so, physiological yeah, third and so stage? Yeah, so basically it's, it's the idea that the third stage, like just like labor when you're still pregnant, um, there's supposed to be a very definite release of hormones. And so at the moment the baby comes out, you have this huge surge of oxytocin, of adrenaline, of all these different hormones. And that's when a lot of our moms get really shaky. Yeah. And then at like several minutes past the birth, the adrenaline starts to come down. And then moms start wanting to like be laying down and to not be upright. Be more restful. And they, they want to be like... And then you talk about oxytocin is released better when a mom is warm in darker conditions. If they're having skin to skin with their baby, mm -hmm. if there's not a lot of loud noises, um, all the same ways that it's better for you to release oxytocin similar to like when you're having sex. Like it's hard to have an orgasm if there's bright lights and I mean, people depends yelling on at your you style. And, <laughs> yeah. Depends on what gets you going. Some people like to perform. <laughs> <laughs> Well, <laughs> I guess we can tell who those people in this room are. <laughs> Joking. I joke. <laughs> I digress. Uh, we digress. Yeah. Um, can I just pause for a second? Because I have had a couple of people that have felt that I got them like out of the tub too quickly. Like it mm -hmm. was rushed. Right. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I'm a big five minute gal, maybe 10. You do not like doing placentas. In no, the tub. I don't. And, and I just want to say that's, Everything you just said is why, mm -hmm. because if you have that rush of adrenaline and you're getting oxytocin and you're feeling good yep. then you're kind of like high as a kite and yeah. walking to the bed and you're able to get up and you can do all these things. Once your placenta comes out or once that rush of hormones change. Yeah. Getting from the tub to the bed seems a lot like yeah. I might as well say, could you run a marathon right now? Mm -hmm. Like they're exhausted. They're bleeding. They cannot help at all. So they're ready to just up, like be snuggling. Right, they and just want to lay down. Yeah. So my thing is, it's not at all that I want to rush that like beautiful yeah. moment. It's I don't want you crashing. You're trying well, to get them before the adrenaline drops so that when the adrenaline drops, they're in bed already and, and can be yeah. warm. And from a clinical perspective, too, like it's easier for you to monitor bleeding as well. It's really hard to do that in a tub so i mean it's right. twofold it mm -hmm. serves two purposes but i've been telling people like listen before your adrenaline wears off i would really like to see you walk to that bed over there it's yeah. been really funny the last two births especially that we've had the moms have like needed a lot of well maybe not the last two but a handful of in the last couple have needed a lot of time after the birth to process and they like take their time touching their baby mm -hmm. and they like um it's been really good to hold space for that transition for them but it does get to the point where you're like when you look at your postpartum time you're like where is my time gone and then you're like oh yeah, yeah it took us a lot longer mm -hmm. to even get settled for her postpartum period because they took their time like the birth pause touching their baby and yeah. yeah so it's really cool but yeah it is about balancing that out a little bit yeah and so michelle odent no don't so close I can just, by the I'm end of it right. actually get it by the end of it <laughs> he he's really 
really big on having that be completely undisturbed and like to not even like not be talking about the placenta or messing with the placenta or anything. He says, and I know you guys, especially you disagree about this. He doesn't even like I think it's always a good idea to have like a kind of a view so that you can see if there's bleeding happening. Um, But he doesn't even like to check to see if the placenta separated until one hour has gone by if nothing's happened. But then at the one hour mark, very often when you say like waiting two hours, I think there's a difference between giving a little bit of cord traction because the placenta is like sitting in the vaginal vault as opposed to like locked locked, locked in, in the, the vaginal vault. vault. <laughs> that always sounds like a Harry Potter thing <laughs> when I say it. Yes, because those are moms who if we like force them to get up and squat, their placenta would fall out on the bed. So it's not like we're pulling the placenta off of their uterus or anything. It's just like hey, it's usually like behind that pubic bone. It's just, it just sitting needs, behind like, the a little pubic bit of bone. guidance. Yeah. And it and yeah, like I totally get that and I hear that, but I have to say that like hour when that placenta is just chilling is when the moms are so uncomfortable. uncomfortable. Yeah. Like they feel immensely better after the placenta is out. I feel like usually the moms are uncomfortable when that's happening. Mm -hmm. So I guess if a mom is saying she's uncomfortable and voicing she's uncomfortable, it's usually because the placenta is just hanging out right there on her tailbone. Yeah. So it's kind of like, doing this like dance of is it too soon to try and help the placenta out and make mom more uncomfortable or is it are we trying too fast and we're messing with the hormones that are being released because th- that's what's supposed to happen is the baby goes onto your skin the baby's like rooting around you're bonding with your baby you're falling in love there's not a lot of distractions and that's when your hormones are going to work helps it to release the yeah. best to make the placenta come out and that's the hard part of it too is like rarely is your cord long enough for you to be able to get your baby up past your abdomen so like a lot yeah. of times like the baby's really low and you are snuggling but it's like you're not able to get them to your breast like you're really yeah. just like holding them on your stomach at that point i really feel like this is one of those like mom to mom things yeah totally you know? but let's just like so physiologically the baby comes out um the uterus then needs to shrink down right yeah. But it needs a break. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the baby comes out and you usually have a break before as all those hormones are rushing and you're feeling all this love for your baby, which as a reminder, could take a little while to kick in. Yeah. Um, There's no pressure. No pressure. Um, so it could take a while. But when those hormones do kick in and then they start to switch again, that's when you start to contract again mm-hmm. because your uterus is or your placenta isn't just going to like plop off of the wall of your uterus you have to contract again it's Mm -hmm. supposed to slowly get sheared off Mm -hmm. as your uterus shrinks right so physiologically you give birth you have a little break you have all of your hormones and then you start to contract again yeah that uterus cannot let go of your placenta until it is contracting yeah Yeah. so i just so go ahead no, I was going to say, I don't think there's any like spoken average, right? No. Like I would, I tell my clients usually like maybe 20 minutes. Yeah, I think it's, but cra- I don't think there's any like defined. I think it's crazy average. how different it is. Cause we have those moms who like the placenta just comes right mm-hmm. out and, and right afterwards. who get, get this like huge urge to push and the fl- placenta just flies out mm-hmm. on its own. Mm-hmm. And there's other moms who could sit there, like you said, for two hours with the placenta chilling on their pubic bone and. it's not just going to come out unless they get up or it has some traction um so it is definitely a mom to mom thing um but i like but so it's just like 
always supporting those hormones to do the best that they can, I think, is always right. going to help lower the risk mm-hmm. of postpartum hemorrhage. And so I wanted to talk about that a little bit because we talked about how the hospital usually does managed third stage where right. they're giving the Pitocin, they're doing the fundal massage, they're pulling... Which a lot of people don't realize is happening. Like people yeah. who've had a natural unmedicated birth don't realize that they're getting Pitocin postpartum to help yeah. with the placenta, whether they right. consent to it or not. And the interesting thing is that they do that because the studies show that that actually reduces the risk of postpartum hemorrhage. Um, and I think that that's probably true, but I also think that the hospital at that moment of birth is not really great at facilitating that natural release of hormones. I don't think they're trained in that at all. I I mean, just the way that it it works. um, So it it probably does reduce their risk of hemorrhage because at this moment in a hospital when most babies are born, the lights are really high. There's a ton of people in the room. Mm -hmm. Um, They're immediately... It's usually pretty like frantic and like get done mode. Immediately getting the, the placenta out. Um, it they, is they're 60 suturing. some degrees in that room. Yeah. It is freezing in there. They're suturing right away. So like the very often the team will take the baby over to the warmer. So you're not having that skin to skin that's not going on. So it's usually not for like 20 or 30 minutes after the birth that things even like if that settle down so that mom can have that calm time right. with baby on her chest. Right. And so I think that that probably does increase the risk for postpartum hemorrhage where doing a of course managed third stage would their studies would show that it would lower the incidence of postpartum hemorrhage i think pit is like a twofold thing also because like if you look at like research as to what are the risk factors for postpartum hemorrhage one of them is medications that induce labor and i think partially that's because the pitocin and any other medications for induction are going to mess with your natural hormonal cycle so like you're not going to get those hormones that are going to prevent postpartum hemorrhage right so like even though pit is helping you contract quicker Mm -hmm. and getting your placenta out more efficiently it is helping in that regard but in the sense of like your natural process it's not helping in that regard it's actually hindering it it's going to definitely affect the way you release your own oxytocin and it's also depends on how long you've been on pitocin in your labor yeah Mm -hmm. because they know that having pitocin can fill your oxytocin receptors to the point where your body can't process it anymore and it won't work and if that happens they need to turn the pitocin off let your oxytocin receptors clear out before they can even turn it back on again and have it work right so then being induced has a higher rate of hemorrhage because your body doesn't respond to the pitocin and it can't create oxytocin like you said so it might work for labor but if you've been on pitocin long enough which a lot of people have it's not going to keep working postpartum Mm -hmm. so i think the point that we're trying to make is if you look at the normal physiologic release of the placenta so like for us it would be a quiet dark room everyone is calm you have your baby we help you to the bed. You're snuggling your baby. You know, we're all just like giggling. It is so much fun. It's so awesome. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, I'm contracting again. Are you contracting? Yes. Okay, great. That's perfect. That's what's supposed to happen. I like to give it, I like to give it a while. I like yeah. that for their contractions to build. And then I'll say at mm-hmm. like 30 You minutes, have been doing that a lot more. Yeah, you wait like, a while. Like, like I feel wait. like when we first started working together, you didn't wait quite as long. Right. And there's like signs to look out for too. Like we haven't really mentioned the separation gush. So like for us, that's mm-hmm. a sign 
sign right. that your placenta is partially detached. And so we can know that the process has begun. And then you also can check the cord and see if there's a pulse, because obviously if the cord isn't pulsing anymore, that means that it's, the detachment right. has occurred. So. Right. So then it, all these things like, there's, and I, and I get that the, um, Mr. Monsieur Odont, <laughs> he does it like, because truly if there's no hemorrhage happening, um, you could wait an hour if you wanted mm-hmm. and then the placenta could plop out. But for us, it's like everything I'm saying, that's the natural way for your placenta to release. And then unless you want to stand up or squat, we'll just plop it out like very gently. So you can see how that would work because your placenta is responding to your uterus. Your uterus is contracting. You are having contractions. And then when your placenta comes out, you're con- you continue to contract and that stops your bleeding. If you're in the hospital or you're anywhere, I mean, we don't want to make it sound like it's just the hospital, but if you're anywhere that pulls the placenta, you're essentially ripping the placenta away from the, the wall of the uterus. If your uterus has not begun to contract physiologically the way it is supposed to. Or clamp what, down and right. closed off those vessels. Right, which could happen anywhere from 5 to 60 minutes after your birth. If your uterus isn't contracting, you are not going to stop bleeding. So you're getting to mismanagement of the third stage by pulling that placenta out. So why is it happening? It's simply because your uterus isn't contracting. So if somebody rips the placenta away and then you are not contracting, you're going to hemorrhage. So that's why they give you Pitocin. They're not giving your body time to do it on its own Mm -hmm. in most places. So they have to force your uterus to contract. Yeah. If you're out of the hospital, you sure as hell don't want someone ripping your placenta away from your uterus if you're not contracting <laughs> and sometimes it's hard too because like we do wait for contractions to start before we do anything but i've had clients re- like normally it's pretty transparent when people start feeling contractions some don't but some don't feel them and it might just be because they're different than the ones that they had in labor or their pain tolerance is so high at that point that like they truly aren't really experiencing them so it's not always like really clear that a mom is contracting but like i said like we have those other signs to help us navigate where right. they're at in the process and those contractions are that. also called after pains. I mean, your after pains are just more contractions. So like Katie, I mean, she had four and she just doesn't, she doesn't, yeah. she'll be like, yeah, I'm contracting. It just doesn't hurt. Whereas so. you'll have another mom with four who like doesn't even care about the birth. All they care about is the afterbirth pains and like yeah, managing the discomfort. Oh, yeah. And their toes are curling. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's so terrible. Mm-hmm. I hate afterbirth pains. Ooh. So, so we understand the physiological delivery of the placenta and why yeah. it goes so well and how the uterus is nice and tight and it's clamping off those vessels and how it would definitely cause a hemorrhage if you caused a placenta to be ripped out and not mm-hmm. allow the body to contract. So, well, on that note, it's actually time to go to break. So when we come back, we can maybe talk about what other risk factors would lead and, to and hemorrhage. How, how the options we have for managing hemorrhage. And then we'll do a birth story of the week. Okay. Sounds great. All right. Cue the music. Oh, yeah. So the sponsor for today's podcast is once again our Patreon account. So what do you get for being one of our patrons? So today we recorded some behind the scenes footage of us recording our podcast. Probably will get more than you could ever want from us, honestly. (laughs) Sometimes we do weird, crazy dance videos. Sometimes we roll in the snow in our bathing suits, because why not? 
Yeah, so basically the point of this is, is that we would love to have you as a patron of our podcast. If you become a patron, there are three different levels of monetary support, and each level gives you different perks. Um, So yeah, check out our Patreon account. It's www.patreon.com slash whineaboutbirth, and we would love to have you on the Wine About Birth Patreon team. Cheers. Cheers. Welcome back from that delightful break. Sometimes I hear that in my sleep. Mm-hmm. Do you? <gasps> Speaking of sleep. Yeah. You know that that repeated dream that I have where my teeth fall out? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I had it. I had it last night, oh. but it went even further. It was so real. It was so weird. It was like, I looked in the mirror and one of my teeth, like this one, was loose. And She's so I just... pointing to her like my, Yeah, it was like, oh, that or my eye teeth. I don't know which one it was. But I pulled it out. But then I looked in the mirror and my front teeth started to get brown. Oh, no. And so Brian, my brother, goes... At that point, what? just like knock them out. Yeah, he's like, what's wrong? And then they fell out. Like I just didn't have... All my teeth just started to come out. And I was like, oh my God. That nightmare that I have that repeats over and over again about my teeth falling out, it's actually happening. My teeth are actually falling out. And he goes, a dream within a dream. Right. He goes, (laughs) that's really weird. And then I woke up and I was like, oh, okay. I hate that. I'm going to make a dentist appointment. (laughs) You know, we talked about what that means, right? No, I don't remember. It means like a life change. Or like a change in a job or a loss. I mean, everything's changing right now. So that makes sense. But I'm I shocked would, I haven't had any dreams about my teeth falling out. You suppress so much. <laughs> your dreams don't allow you well, to. Well, you haven't actually <laughs> done anything to move forward either. So maybe when Damn. you take that personal step, one tooth Coming will fall out. Coming from the biggest hypocrite on the face of I the planet. I am a hypocrite. I know, baby steps. I know my downfalls. Baby steps. Baby steps. If, I if your baby them. steps look like steps backwards, then you're doing it right. Then you're t- <laughs> you, you are not moving backwards i will give you that no i am i absolutely am a hypocrite with a lot of things and so i accept that about myself yeah. and so do you guys so i don't, yes. I don't have to change we it. just call you out on it and laugh mm-hmm. and then we laugh at ourselves Spe- for also being hypocrites. speaking of sleep i have done so many births in the last like week and a half I had lost so much sleep. The finally, the past two nights, I slept all night long, and I went to bed at like seven o'clock and did Ugh. not wake up until especially like when eight it's dark at five freaking o'clock. And did not wake so up till like eight or nine the next morning, and it was it's so magical, glorious. Because when you called me to that birth I'm the so other sorry. night, because I had already that was my third birth. I'm sorry, someone was in labor. <laughs> I'm so sorry you missed it. <laughs> I didn't technically miss it. I was walking in the front door. That's so awesome. Um, but yeah, when you called me to that birth, that was my third birth of the week, and it was like right at that time when you're like, "Yes, finally falling asleep, gonna sleep I so good know. tonight." Just joking. I was so disoriented when he called. Oh my god, I was like, it was bad. Yeah, and so I was like, and then because it was just like the weekend or whatever, I and was then still, I was still like, well, I obviously can't just like go home and go to sleep on the weekend, so I'm gonna have to go out and hang out and so. have a beer. So I might or have several. I might have stayed up until <laughs> the wee hours of the night several times on purpose. 
you know. One doth complain too much when <laughs> one doth make those choices. <laughs> That's true. But the whole point of that was that I did get two very glorious nights of sleep and Sweet I loved them. Um, it just changes your whole life. We were struggle busting though. Like oh, we, yeah. you know, we normally do like a three hour postpartum and this is one of the situations where like I feel like it just took a while to get things rolling because she was just needing some time after the birth and so. Weren't we there for like five? No, it was four hours but I was feeling so stressed about it. I was like, Jess, I'm so sorry that this keeps dragging out and it's like we clearly both were so that poor tired. mom was probably like get out of my house I so i can take a of nap. course oh also i didn't tell you this her son woke up like literally as we walked out the door oh, really yeah and they didn't have anyone to come like no they called them like that next morning but he's been waking up at like since daylight savings he's been waking up at like 4 30 or 3 30 in the oh morning my God. hate daylight savings it's time. the stupidest thing despise it it's so dumb it i'm pretty make sure whoever created it has children like what were you no, fucking they thinking? didn't have children they hate parents that's why Roosevelt? they did it they hated parents i don't did remember children <laughs> i don't hate, know no they hate parents they're laughing with the children as they torture us so let's jump back in or dive back in. Like a muff. I did that in my dream the other night too, actually. You dove into a muff? I, That's interesting. No. What is that mean? I don't have sex dreams ever. Can you Google that dream? I'm not Googling that. I feel like sex Absolutely dreams are the not. only dreams I do have. I did have a dream, though, where I said that multiple times and I woke up being like, wow, we say that way too all much. I heard was that, all I heard was that you dove into a muff I multiple know. times. I really <laughs> set myself up for that and I kept going too. It just keeps happening. Well, it's better than saying you made Kim come really hard or whatever That's it was. True. <laughs> I tried that so was hard to make you come. Urch. <laughs> Whoopsie. That's almost okay. as bad as breaking the actual rule we have. No, oh, that will that will just never happen. Nope. As we know, because I could not have had any more to drink than I did in Key West, and I still didn't try to sleep with either Girl, one. Girl, you. <laughs> you were doing the opposite of trying to sleep with us. You were like trying to push us away from you as Get hard away. as possible. No, no, no. In the hot tub, she did propose marriage to me several times. That's true, but, but that was just like tried pure love radiating me. out of her eyes. Like there was absolutely <laughs> no sex in it. it I was... think I may have said asexual marriage. Actually, yes. yes. <laughs> I just love you so much. You did admit that you were jealous of people had sex with her, though, which is very confusing. <laughs> but not because. <laughs> I want to have sex with her. I forgot about that part till just now. And also, one, not specific people, because that sounded like you have sex with yeah, people. Yeah, sorry. Just like the person that you Because have it's sex not with. fair that if we all love each other this much, that other people get to do things with us that we don't. But we I don't want like... to do those things with each other. It's irrational. I feel like it's not fair. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> So, <laughs> speaking of oxytocin, let's move on. Okay. Also, Jess is purple right now, which doesn't happen a lot. <laughs> so good. So, okay. Oxytocin. Yes. We're going to talk about that. Let's talk so, about uterine acne. So, mis mismanaged third stage labor is one of the causes. The other cause for hemorrhage is uterine acne. Yeah. Which and then when you said that, I was like, eh, I feel like it's more complicated than that. But if you look at the actual causes of hemorrhage, uterine acne is like this umbrella, right? And there's like lots of things that contribute to it. Like, correct. 30 things in a list. Yes. Yeah. So, we can talk about some of those things. Yes. Do that. All right, so abruption, right? Super rare, but would definitely cause a hemorrhage. Yes. And I feel like that is something that clients always ask me about when they're like talking about emergencies. Yeah. So I don't know like who's out there talking about abruptions, right? Well, it's let's like say also that's not really, that's not under the umbrella of uterine acne. That's true. Either. Sorry. 
that's actually really true. Okay, so fine. Let's skip placenta stuff for now. We'll come back right. to placentas. So, so overdistended uterus. So uterine acne just means your uterus, the lack of the uterus contracting. A tonic. Yeah. So your uterus is squishy and boggy instead of being hard like it's supposed to be. I try to be organized and make things feel clear. It's okay. And then you I talk, we'll organize you. Because it's thank fine. you. That sounds perfect. Perfect. So, okay, overdistended uterus. And the reason Whether for that's that a baby is, size or yeah. if you have lots of fluid. And so if the uterus, which you remember, is a muscle, which I know everyone out there is like, duh, but yeah. you have to remember it functions as a muscle. So if that muscle is stretched so paper thin that it cannot contract, then it's not going to contract. So it's going to be atonic yeah. and then it will hemorrhage when mm-hmm. you're That can also be true with like multiples. Yeah, I was going to say multiples yeah. would be another risk factor for overdistension. Um, the more births you've had, and that could be because overdistension is more common the more babies that you've had just because your uterus is more stretched out. Or your uterus is just like tired. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. like, listen, mm-hmm. I contracted for you for those past five babies and the sixth one you are on your own my friend yeah (laughs) yeah and that can be true for people who have really long labors too that by the end of the labor that your body is just so exhausted your uterus is like well that was fun i'm gonna go take a nap like jess on the couch Mm -hmm. over there yeah that's like when i'll have jess like pre-draw pit for me (laughs) because if it's like really long i'm like hey just in case just in case this is probably a good idea do you think the uterus ever goes you know i'd really like to tag team the liver at some point here (laughs) why do i have to do all the work how come you other organs suck (laughs) why do i have to be the strongest of all of us if it was our livers the liver would be like listen i've done my work (laughs) i did all the hard work the entire life you had to do the work for one day. Listen, Linda, Linda, honey, as soon as you're done with this, I'm going to go back to the heavy lifting. OK, <laughs> she's going to have a baby and you're just going to be chilling out, doing a little bit of work once a month. Huh? I got a nine month break in theory. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The end. Um, we talked about medication. Some um, also there's infection and obesity is on this list. Infection because it would affect the way your body functions obesity that is a great question i don't i I don't i was trying to think of in my mind physiologically why obesity would be a risk factor so obesity could be a risk factor if you cannot um palpate Mm -hmm. the uterus right but why would obesity cause the uterus to not function function properly and i think and there's a there is a lot of research that actually says that is not true yeah that obesity maybe that's something we can look into risk. more f- just to follow up about and right. see if we, what I the mean, actual we'll say link it's is on there it's on there so if yeah. anybody has an obvious answer duh hello you know, go ahead mm-hmm. and send it in but obesity in itself in research it doesn't show that it causes any risk factors such as hemorrhage so then that's most of the over distension umbrella items and then you've got your placental issues so like i said placental abruption which is super did, uncommon but always seems to be a trigger infection I did, yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah, I wasn't paying attention. And infection down. because the uterus just doesn't act. Like your body is just not going to function as efficiently right. as it can because it's fighting off an infection. If people have a uterine or placental infection, they'll have trouble in labor too, right. mm-hmm. not just mm-hmm. postpartum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, then if we want to talk about things then that we wouldn't necessarily be taking care of out of hospital, then like if we have a accreta that we aren't aware of before the labor. That yes. Would definitely. Cause. So retain placenta for whatever reason. If there's something in your uterus, it cannot contract. So it could just all the be, way. It cannot yeah. contract all the way. So then it's going to hemorrhage. So it could be that your placenta is just hanging out in there. And that is why I like to do the cord traction. And I know not everyone is on mm-hmm. board for that, but I like to do gentle cord traction because if your placenta is done and it's just sitting there, 
the longer it sits there, the longer your uterus is just like, fine then. Yeah. Like, I won't contract. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't like I did I don't my like job. That. Now I'm just chilling. Right. You should have pulled me out when you had a chance. So <laughs> I liked, I like doing that just I have to some make sure. I need to say that. <laughs> <laughs> You have a lot of friends who need to say that. <laughs> There's a lot of people out there whose pullout game is very, very, very weak. <laughs> yes, if your uterus doesn't contract, then you're going to bleed. So if there's something stuck in your uterus, then it's going to bleed. So if it's the placenta, whether it's just hanging out or like you said, it's accreted, mm-hmm. at which point you you will transfer to the hospital or you will go to the OR because they have to um, remove it surgically. Mm-hmm. But other things that can be stuck in your placenta would be like giant blood clots or so, sorry, stuck uterus. in your uterus. You I'm mean? sorry. Yeah, yeah. I do that all the time in your uterus. Mm-hmm. If there is a giant clot stuck in there, which a giant clot can form if you have your placenta still in your uterus mm-hmm. and, yeah. and it's not being pulled out or squatted or pushed out, then you're going to have blood and then it's going to clot. So then you're going to end up with blood clots also. Yeah. yeah. And it's definitely worth, like I always ask my clients if they start clotting, like as the placenta is coming out, like I always ask, if they clotted with their last baby because sometimes people just clot and that's like Mm -hmm. how they bleed and that's fine but it's like good for us to have that on our radar i've also read that doing a lot of tinctures for induction can cause um more clotting yeah i've Mm -hmm. seen i feel like anecdotally we've seen that so that's some of the risk factors for hemorrhage so then let's talk about like what do we do we've tried to do everything to prevent that and support the physiological release of the placenta and have everything be all easy breezy uterine squeezy <laughs> that's beautiful that's definitely a well, shirt I'm gonna write that down for a shirt <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but then sometimes even when we're, it's completely unexpected we still will have postpartum hemorrhages and so there's a bear, like so there's some big misunderstandings so at, about like what they use at the hospital versus what we have and even in the state of virginia where we're practicing um the laws are a little bit weird about cpms and medications they can use Mm -hmm. so there's some midwives who are only using like tinctures Tinctures. and manual ways of helping um blood loss like you know fundal massage and then you know there's like cotton root angelica angelica yeah um that there are companies that make like actual like mixtures called like placenta release or things like that to help as well yeah um, I know in our practice, we do carry um, medications for because um, we have an RN on our staff postpartum hemorrhage. And so let's talk about what some of those medications are that we and we also use tinctures as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always offer tinctures if it's not emergent to the point where I feel like it either is like clear that a hemorrhage is a risk factor or it's mild enough at that point that I feel like it can be managed with tinctures I always offer but most of my clients I would say will try it for a little while but then want to go to medication so it's nice to have both so I say our first line of defense would be um, Pitocin Mm -hmm. so we would just draw Pitocin usually do an IM injection if you can first shot right in the thigh Kim's like nope just go straight to the IV (laughs) no I just no 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 um, my rule is that if you, if you do a shot, great. If that doesn't work and you have to do a second shot, you're also starting an IV. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a really good and rule. And then you can do the second shot, mm-hmm. which will hold you over until the IV is placed. In which case there's 40 in the bag. Mm-hmm. 
And then we're looking at Cytotech if that's not yep. working. And so that's another thing. We'll, we'll talk about Cytotech, but um, anytime it comes to any kind of blood loss, um, replacing um, blood volume mm-hmm. can help with that um, to decrease symptoms and to just help the person be okay. So starting an IV with IV fluids is going to increase blood volume and help that person um, with a hemorrhage. And we talked you- about that a little bit, if not in the last episode, then like, when we were just hanging out, how you were thinking, like you're a fan of starting an IV for blood loss, whether or not moms are tolerating it well or not, just helps set them up for success postpartum. Yeah. Yeah. Because replacing blood volume is, Oh my God, it's so important. I mean, you're, uh, every part of your body functions based on your blood volume. So if you have low volume, nothing's going to be functioning right. But you have to remember if someone loses a thousand cc's, a thousand milliliters of blood, that's, if you envision an IV bag, that's what, that's mm-hmm. how much blood you're losing, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So if you're going to do an IV, you want to at least do a thousand, you want to at least do an IV bag. But then you have to remember that even though that helps with their symptoms right now, that doesn't replace all of the blood that they've lost. It right. replaces the, the hemo- volume. The hemoglobin. Right. The- so your blood cells, your mm-hmm. platelets, your iron, all of those things still need to be reproduced. So you have to rest and relax and let your body do And also all of like that. start taking your prenatal vitamin afterwards. And if you're like going to yep. do your placenta, like that mm-hmm. can be a good replacer Focused as well. On blood. Yeah. Blood volume expansion mm-hmm. and then, actual blood expansion. Yeah. And then we can also put more Pitocin in that IV bag to help keep the uterus clamped down but if pitocin isn't doing the trick then we usually move to cytotech and i know that like a lot of people especially my clients hear cytotech and they're like oh gosh because i preach about how much i hate using cytotech for labor induction Mm -hmm. but cytotech for use after the baby is born is a completely different thing yeah and it actually works really well it does, but we, we talked about side attack a lot in our one birth story because yeah. one of the side effects is shaking, and so that can be really hard because, like, is your mom going into shock or is that just a side effect? Yeah, it can make you feel from pretty the side attack. Gnarly. So, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And it's a really easy drug to give, too, because you just put it in their mm-hmm. cheek. Mm-hmm. Um, which, for the record, if for anyone out there that hasn't read up to date, it's definitely shown that putting it in the cheek works faster than putting it in the rectum yes. and better. Which I'm so. still seeing at the hospital than putting it in rectally. Which is so crazy because well, someone is hemorrhaging. Like, that's not an easy task. No, like, it's, it shoots it right back out. It's like, <laughs> pew, pew. Well, they're not doing it vaginally. That's why they're doing it rectally. Right. No, even rectally is just like, yeah. just stick so much it in going their mouth. on. Yeah, stick well, it that, on I, their, in their cheek. Um, one of the doctors that I talked to mouth over there is like, you put it in their cheek. <laughs> Their mouth cheeks. <laughs> their mouth cheeks, not their butt cheeks. <laughs> their bucola. <laughs> I just think that's just an example of not wanting to, not having time to stay up on, you know, up to date, yeah, which is why yeah. up to date exists. Yeah. Why I need to get another student because An evidence-based I need them birth too. is really important. Yes. And rectally does work, mm-hmm. um, but the cheek works. What's the point? Yeah. <laughs> but the, it also tastes gross. So. Especially. Mm. <laughs> and Nothing. I know what you were thinking. Nothing. I know what just you were thinking. Keep going. <laughs> okay. Also, so something we haven't talked about, either that I would use before side attack or maybe even pit, is Union Bao. Yeah. Right yeah. here. There it Which is. is like an amazing Chinese herb that helps with hemorrhage and it's highly effective mm-hmm. and it works wonders. So I, I've had a hard time finding it, but now that I have access to it, I'm going to definitely offer that to my clients yeah and then um the last medication and they use all i don't think they use that 
union bowel at the hospital, no. but they no, use no. Cytotec, they use Pitocin, and then the other one that they use is Methogen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so those are all the medicinal routes that you would go to force the uterus to clamp down. But Methogen is really, really good for low-lying placentas. Um, like if the placenta has come from the lower uterine segment, Methogen contracts the lower uterine segment right that's what we were talking about last mm-hmm. time um but you don't want to give cytotec or methogen to a mom who has not birthed her placenta right you the have to be mindful of what part of the process first. you're in yes also methogen's hard because it's supposed to be refrigerated so like it's really hard for home right. birth midwives because you don't have a way to really carry on a medicated well med- i read a really good idea someone sorry refrigerated was, medication someone was joking on one of the um like midwifery sites that they were going to add for their home. If they have a home birth practice, there's mm-hmm. a checklist mm-hmm. and on the checklist says remove methogen from fridge. <laughs> so you just leave it in their fridge for each home birth, oh, you know, cause you, how busy are you? Right. Yeah. So then you take it out, stick it in your own fridge and then give it to them at the 36 week. Mm. visit. Okay. That's it. And I'm like, that is a great idea. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. Yeah. I would totally forget it and leave it at their house afterwards. Let's of be course. honest. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I would um, also. So then those are the things like and and the majority of cases, those things mm-hmm. definitely work. You've had situations, Kim, I can think of at least one off the top of my head where medications did not stop the hemorrhage. And I know that you had one transfer where you had to transfer doing by manual um, compression. So why don't you yeah. talk a little bit about what by manual compression is and why we would use it and when? Yeah, so... If the uterus, remember, the only reason you're hemorrhaging is that the uterus either isn't contracting. Well, actually, always the uterus isn't contracting because there's something in it mm-hmm. or there's something wrong with right, it. You right. Have, like, so, or it's not or you've contracting got a effectively. Effectively. Yeah. So um, we should, I'll tell that story, but I also want to throw in that you need to make sure that there's not there's no blood coming from somewhere else too. Yes. Because you can. Right, like a tear. Like yeah. sometimes you could think blood from a tear or a burst vessel right. is blood from yeah. hemorrhage. I've had one mom that I can think of, just one actually, that had a really good vessel in her vagina and it did burst when she gave birth and it was bleeding to the point where we thought it was just, you know, like a hemorrhage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, but when I went to look, I could see it and then we just had to suture it really quickly, and which was awesome. Cause it, well, this is nice because if you hold it, it doesn't do anything. Right. So you just have to suture that. But, Um, It was the same case for the uterus is that if I was holding it, it wasn't bleeding because it's contracted, right? Even if you're doing it So you're forcing it to contract with your hands by manually contracting. putting one hand in her vagina and one hand on her top of her fundus and pushing down to make the uterus contract. Yeah. So um, you're just holding the muscle tight. It's just just like doing a compression. You know, if you get shot in the leg, you have to put a compression on. It's the same thing. It's holding those blood vessels It's just a very dramatic transfer. Yeah, I mean, it it sounds really dramatic and horrible. Um, And for the mom, I'm sure, how could it be anything but that? But we laugh the whole way. Like, I put it, her story's in my book. It's such a good story. It's such a good couple. Like, it's such a good story. But yeah, I had to transfer performing by manual compression which is not easy to do for 40 on a, minutes especially like, not on a stretcher on a like stretcher, on your walking. way down a set of stairs um but you know it works so my thing is with the hemorrhage is the worst case scenario that will occur is that you 
need to just stop the bleeding until you can get them to yeah. where they need to go to fix it. Mm-hmm. To fix Which the, usually you know, means yeah. like surgical removal. Right. Yeah. So the next step placenta. after all that would be going to the hospital to get like a DNC to to cauterize the to bleeding. Cauterize, yeah. And so if you're birthing, if you're birthing in the hospital, theoretically, if you are hemorrhaging in that moment, you are just moments away, mm-hmm. right, from the OR. So um, they should be able to do all these same things we're talking about, and then and that's an emergent right like reason for surgery so it's not like it would take a long time for them to make that call for you but i want people to understand like that that is very uncommon Mm -hmm. or to even need to go to that route um even like that that worst transfer we had i'm sorry that worst hemorrhage we had like we managed it while at home you know and that was one of the worst ones we've had yeah well i've i've done hundreds hundreds of out of hospital births and I've only had to transfer doing bimanual compression one mm-hmm. time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I have transferred doing external bimanual compression, which I guess you would just call it external compression. But, um, I was able to hold the uterus from the outside of the mom's body, but yeah. only one time has it ever happened that you have to go to that extreme. Right. Yeah. So, I would imagine it's the same, hopefully, in the hospital, especially if they're giving Pitocin after every vaginal birth. I can see how, in theory, their hemorrhage rate would be low, but they're causing a hemorrhage to begin with. Mm-hmm. So one of, I could, I will never forget, at one of the hospital births I attended, The it was a beautiful birth. The doctor was amazing. And then he just did his regular thing of pulling the placenta out. First off, you never get used to that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I guess you do. Say, I'm just like, I'm like feeling triggered. Yeah. Just like thinking yeah. about it. And I guess you get used to it if you see it every day. I only see it on the occasions that I transfer, which isn't very often. And, and they're also used to moms having epidurals when they do it. Like right. our natural, our moms that have natural births right. aren't medicated when they start pulling on their placenta. No. <laughs> but the amount, it's just this one particular mom. It was like, it was shocking the amount of blood that started gushing from her body. And I had been doing this long enough to know like, uh, that was Mm -hmm. five. Mm -hmm. There goes a thousand, there goes 15. And it was to the point where I was like, Hey, are we going to like, what is this? this? Is this normal? And the nurse was like, Oh, it's fine. And she just like, like did, uterine massage until her entire cervix was outside of her body Uh, and then dumped soapy water all over her to start cleaning it all up and i was like holy shit like that mom just dumped at least 15 because that's when i was paying attention and the doctor walks over sees it i could see the face Oh, he goes, um, that we're, we'll go ahead and call that 500 and <gasps> call me if you need anything. And he left and I was like, okay, all right. Oh so, my gosh. Okay. Yep. That's, Let me wash my hands of that situation and bail hard. So then nope. like she was laboring at the, at the hospital. So she already had IV. She had Pitocin. She had all the things. Mm-hmm. She was fine, but damn. But did she need to lose that much blood? That now Probably she not. Did, is going to have a harder time in postpartum it was, recovery. It was like shocking. It was Ugh, like a wave of so blood. Sick. Yeah. But yeah. also, I wanted to say too, like waves of blood are terrifying, but you also got to like, it's those little trickles that really get you. Yes, it is. Because they add up slowly, yep. but over a long period And they're of time. like this sign that something is up. Like, well, it's a sign that part of the placenta has released and the rest hasn't. So it's bleeding from somewhere, but... 
you can't contract yet. So yeah. and like, like we were saying earlier, like your choice for meds at that point is somewhat limited because your mm-hmm. placenta is not even out yet. Yeah. Those are um, fun. Before we go to our birth story of the week, I just wanted to just throw in one more, what we would call crunchy uh, solution. And I know we've talked about that in another episode. I know what you're going to say. Can I guess? Yeah. Eating. Latching. Yeah. Uh, what? Both. No. <laughs> Wait, who's eating? <laughs> eating, but cutting off part of the cord. Cutting off part of the cord. Oh, part yeah, of the yeah, placenta yeah. And putting mm-hmm. it in your cheek. And I actually haven't been to a birth where this has happened, but from other I want to do it. <laughs> From other people, I've heard that it actually is very, um, can be very successful. And even if the placenta <laughs> is still in, you can cut off part of the cord and put mm-hmm. that in. So what you I've were going to say is cut off part of the happened. placenta. But if the placenta is not out. You could do exactly. the cord. You could yeah. do the cord. Yeah. So I've been to one birth where the mom consumed her placenta. And like, it's not like you have to like chew it and swallow it, right? You like stick it in your cheek. Oh, you told this Because your body <laughs> absorbs the hormones, right? So this mom, um, I it must have been like her fifth plus child because she was one of the moms that was like so concerned about her after labor, after birth pains that she brought chlorophyll because that's like a really common um, treatment for after birth pains, especially in the Mennonite community. And so she had been already like sipping on chlorophyll, right, to prep for the after birth pains. And then she started to hemorrhage and she consented to having a piece of her placenta put in her mouth. But she, I guess it was not communicated that she didn't have to, like, chew it. And Ugh. so she, her teeth were slightly green and her lips were slightly green from the chlorophyll. <laughs> and then she had this placenta she was kind of chomping on. And so she looked like a zombie. Like, it was a lot. And, so like, gross. it worked. Like, like she an stopped, alien zombie with green and red. Yes. Yeah, like, she stopped bleeding immediately. But, nope. like, it was terrifying and also hilarious at the same time and she was such a good sport about it um, apparently chlorophyll is actually a very uh, effective natural deodorant as well oh interesting oh, if you yeah. drink it um yeah there's actually do you th- smell like grass afterwards no you don't smell like anything <laughs> how weird yeah um i think that we actually have run out of time for our birth story of the week so Can we're gonna I have say- to good can Lord. i say that i did use a <laughs> chunk of a placenta at a birth once with yeah. natalie yeah and the mom had a lower H and H than I would typically want. Hemoglobin she, and hematocrit. She was a vegan and very used to like a good healthy diet and this was just her norm. Yeah. yeah. And she lost a good bit, like a very good bit. And I was like, Well, let's try it. And we did. And vegan it was vegan like, her placenta. <laughs> yep. First meat she's ever had. Nice. And obviously worked, not. She had it a worked baby. In, <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Anyway, my point is it worked. Like it was like shutting off a faucet. Yeah. It does work. It stopped immediately. That's awesome. I always ask my moms beforehand if they're open to it so I don't catch them off guard if I recommend it. It hasn't happened yet, but I do try to give them a heads up. This mom had no heads up and she was fine with it. Yeah. Yeah. So I just wanted to like reiterate that the point of this episode is not to scare people about postpartum hemorrhage. The point is to show how can we naturally support a mom to avoid postpartum hemorrhage, but then to also show that if it does happen, there's so many options out there Mm -hmm. for managing it Mm -hmm. before it becomes an emergency situation. And And that is a concern of yours. Like talk to your provider and ask what options they have available. So you feel more assured before we close out, let's play a fun game. Uh, well, it's time for us to close out right now. So okay, what is so the real fun quick, game? Let's just shoot out the highest number um, that we've ever managed hemorrhaging. Okay. Ooh. 
Okay. We don't have to say the outcome or what happened or where they went or if they stayed or what, because that could question um, how we practice. So Mm -hmm. let's just say the the highest number that we've managed. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to say with you and I. Yeah. I think we had a two. I would say she was 2000. That was the most I've ever seen. And then with you, then I think we probably had like a 1500 then. Okay. Comparatively. The highest I ever had, it was exactly 2,600 because I measured it. And that was before that. I mean, that was just the hemorrhage that yeah. that does not count her remaining postpartum time. Uh, so that was a fun game for us to play. But I want to say those moms that, were fine. let's not close on that note. But though. those moms were fine. But that's yeah, the thing the moms is were that fine. all of those, regardless of how they were managed or where they were managed, that is considered a very hefty hemorrhage. Mm-hmm. And all of those moms were completely fine. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just goes to show that it's like. We don't want people. We want to take fear away because fear can actually cause more incidents of postpartum hemorrhage because you don't make oxytocin good when you're scared. It's true. Um, And we've seen moms pass out losing just 400 because that's scary to them. So how you're feeling makes a huge difference. Yeah. So postpartum hemorrhage does happen, but it doesn't have to be a horrible thing. And there's lots of ways to manage it and just like with anything else in like labor and birth like be prepared by having information so maybe ask your provider how they handle a hemorrhage like step by step so you have an idea of what to expect yeah um and so for all you moms out there thank you for um letting us attend your births and for being there for us and we've been having a lot of people writing in lately and sharing stories and we have sucked telling, at sharing those stories telling us things <laughs> they like about the podcast but we did finally do an episode we've been talking about doing for yes. literally ever um, and so i just want to say for all you people out there reaching out to us like we are just we love it like keep sending those emails and those messages we really do love to hear from you um we actually oh we got a new patreon i'm not gonna i'm all i'll do your shout out next week new patreon because i don't have it open right now and it's time to end out this episode oh but i hear the one the patreon post that meredith did was epic and i need to log in and check that out oh my god when i read that post i laughed me and kim were at the brewery (laughs) together drinking beer on a night when i might have drank too much and um oh my so it's god probably funnier than can, it really is can <laughs> no. confirm can confirm yeah i was laughing so hard but love I, I love any opportunity to dig at you guys yes, it's my favorite i can say that i read it the next morning too after not being drinking too much and i, I still found it completely hilarious mm. um i i tested it on terrence and he's a pretty tough critic so and it passed <laughs> so i'd say it's pretty good you're actually a writer your writing style was spot on so good so, you um, should write a book i was yeah. gonna be a writer actually. to all of our patrons out there and all of our listeners we want to thank you for all the moms having babies you're a badass and the only other thing we have to say is cheers cheers, cheers. cheers. so look up 